Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. You turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. We're not in John today. (laughs) Of course, it is a special day. Every Sunday is a special day because He is risen. It's uh, Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. We started out by saying, He is risen! He is risen indeed! And you say, He is risen indeed! And every Sunday we gather together. We do so because the Lord raised from the dead on the first day of the week. We celebrate that every week. And in, in, in a very real sense, um, Easter is something that we, we remember, we recognize every single first day of the week. Um, if you look at uh, Matthew chapter 27, we're going to start in verse 45. And uh, today we're going to look at one of the last words of Jesus on the cross. We're going to look at uh, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting from uh, Psalm 22 that Conway read. In fact, there's many things that you see in Psalm 22 that point back to the cross, that point towards the cross. You not only see the cry here of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you also see uh, him being encircled by dogs. And you might think of the, the, the Gentiles all around him, the Gentile um, uh, army that is, is crucifying him. And, and it talks there in that chapter about uh, his garments being uh, dispersed between the soldiers as they uh, cast lots to see who would get them. You can read Psalm 22 and you see much of what you see in the crucifixion of Jesus. And yet, Psalm 22 ends in hope. Turn there for just a moment. What Conway read for the last verse that he read. um, Psalm 22 is where he read from. We're in Matthew 27. The last one that he read, verse 19, But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. He was turning to his Father for aid. And by the end of that psalm, you see all the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord's of the Lord coming to the coming generations. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. So it ends in faith, faith that God will raise this suffering one from the dead. Um, Let's go ahead and look at our text. Matthew 27, beginning in verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him a drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the death of Christ on our behalf. We thank you that you paid the price for us. We thank you um, that you rose him from the dead, that we can have new life in him. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, be with me. Give me strength to preach your word. Lord, there, though there are two or more gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. You are here with us now. And there is none of us here by accident. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. It begins. Jesus had been beaten. He had been nailed to a cross. He had been lifted up into the air. This had been done earlier in the morning. And from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness on all the land. The sixth hour would have been about noon. The ninth hour would have been about three o'clock. So for three hours... There was darkness over the land. Some have looked for uh, a naturalistic explanation. Some have, have thought maybe an eclipse, but an eclipse does not last for three hours. We had one of those just last year. We know that it's gone in only about a minute and a half. Some have thought maybe it was a storm. Yet that is also not, not satisfying. The natural way to take this as we read it from God's Word is that it was a supernatural occurrence. In Amos chapter 8, God tells that the day of the Lord will come. And when that day of the Lord comes, there would be darkness at noon. Just like we see here at the crucifixion. Amos was predicting a day when God would come in judgment Upon the land. And the darkness that we see here in verse 45 points to God coming in judgment upon the land. Verse 46 And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice Eli, Eli, Lema, Savakhtani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The first thing we see is here at the end of, of this period of darkness, around three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Now we already know that Jesus had been beaten so much that he was beyond recognition. 
He was beaten with a a cat of nine tails that would have ripped into his flesh. He would have been extremely, extremely uncomfortable and weary. We know that he had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was nailed to this cross and he had been hanging there now for at least three hours. And it says that he cried out with a loud voice. That was quite an accomplishment because whenever he was hanging from the cross with both arms extended, nailed to the cross, his body sinking down, it would have been more and more difficult for him to breathe. And the cross would have had a a peg so that he could use his feet to lift himself up a little bit to be able to get a breath. And every time that he would say anything from the cross, he would have to lift himself up on all the pain and the agony that he was in to be able to say anything. And it says, he cried out with a loud voice. Just that in itself was an amazing feat. And Jesus, what he said was even more amazing. It was mysterious. He says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. It's recorded here in the Aramaic. The Greek writer, Matthew, recorded it uh, still just as Jesus would have said it. Jesus would have spoken Aramaic, and rather than writing it out in the Aramaic letters, he wrote it out in the Greek so that we would know how to pronounce it. And he gives a translation for us. He tells us, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What could this mean? As I said, it's a quotation from Psalm 22. Yet it is more than that. It it expresses what Jesus was feeling at that moment, that he was feeling forsaken by God. We'll come back to this in a moment. We're going to spend most of our time on that verse We'll move on. Verse 47. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. As I already described, Jesus had been hanging there for several hours already. And you can imagine it might have been difficult for him to cry this out. And they could make out that he was saying, Eli, Eli. Whether it was because they didn't know the language. Or maybe... um, because they just couldn't make out what he was saying, they confused what he was saying and thought maybe he was calling out for the prophet Elijah. Elijah was significant. As we see in the, in the um, prophecies about John the Baptist, there was an expectation that Elijah would come before the Messiah, that there would be a, a forerunner. And in Jewish Tradition, they they thought maybe that Elijah would be someone who would come to the aid of the Messiah at some time. So they thought maybe this was what Jesus was crying. Then verse 48, it says, And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put a reed on it and gave it to him to drink. This is ambiguous. What does it mean? 
Of course, we, we know it means that, the, the, that a person took a, a sponge and dipped it in some sour wine and took it to Jesus on a pole, but what was he intending by that? Was it a mockery? Did he mean to mock him? Needing a drink, being thirsty, as Jesus said from the cross in the book of John, he says, I thirst. Was, was he being com- compassionate? And just wanting to give a drink, or was he mocking him by giving him sour wine? It may be unclear, but we're followed up. This is followed up when it says, But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. So someone was saying, No, 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 don't, don't give him the sour wine. I want to see. Will Elijah come? and save him, still misunderstanding what Jesus was saying. And then verse 50, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He cried out again with a loud voice at the very, very end. Whenever he had been hanging on the cross, experiencing misery and agony, a painful and shameful death on the cross, he lifted himself up to be able to cry out one last time, and then it says, he yielded up his spirit. He was in control to that very last moment. No one could take his life from him, as he said in John. But he gives it willingly. Jesus at that very moment yielded up his spirit. Some say gave up the ghost. He was in control of the very moment of his death. This is a broad summary of what we're looking at, but I want to look closely and consider what it is that is meant whenever Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Notice, he doesn't address him as father here. When he prayed in the garden, he prays to his father. And later, whenever he says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. He prays to his Father, but here, maybe showing the distance that Jesus felt at the time, merely says, God. But he doesn't just merely say God. He, He does still acknowledge this relationship he has. And he says, My God. My God. He does not... It's not totally hopeless because he still calls him my God. But at the same time, there is some distance that's there in in the fact that he's not calling him Father. But then the most mysterious part is whenever he says, why have you forsaken me? Consider this. This... This is one of the greatest mysteries of the whole crucifixion. This is one of the greatest mysteries that that we cannot fully comprehend. That Jesus would, would say to his father, why have you forsaken me? 
Now we can understand being forsaken. We can understand being abandoned. Some people have, have experienced abandonment and have been, become orphans or, or maybe a spouse has left and maybe you've experienced some kind of abandonment whenever you, a friend gave up on you or something like that. But this was so different than any of our relationships. As I've talked about not too long ago, the Gospel of John tells us that Jesus was the Word. The, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was this Word. And it tells us the Word was God. And the Word was with God. And everything was made at the beginning with Jesus, the Word there, present. Jesus had been with the Father from all eternity past. When we're... Seeing here Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is not just the cry of any human being feeling abandoned by God. This is the cry of God being abandoned by God. This is mysterious so that we cannot fully grasp what this is saying. Jesus existed from all eternity as the second person of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had always existed in perfect fellowship, perfect harmony, perfect pleasure from all eternity past. There is a doctrine of God, one of His attributes. It's got this kind of fancy theological term that nobody uses in real life, aseity. Basically what that means is God doesn't need anything. He is fully happy by Himself. He doesn't need anyone. He doesn't need anything. But He is perfect without any needs by Himself. And God can be perfectly without any needs and He is a God of love because He has always had this communion within the Trinity from all eternity between Father and Son and Holy Spirit. There's always been a relationship within God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was there in the beginning before, he, before anything was created, experiencing this love with the Father. He was there at creation when everything was made, when God spoke and, and light came into existence and the universe came into existence, Jesus was there. Jesus was there. The second person of the Trinity was there when God created man and said, let us make man in our image. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were there when God when, when man fell, when Adam and Eve fell, and when the serpent was cursed, and the promise was made that a seed of the woman would come and crush the serpent's head. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, was there when the promises were made to Noah, and to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to David. The Son of God was there. Jesus was there. The, the Son of God was there when Isaiah prophesied, one will come who will be Emmanuel, 
He was always existent, always experiencing this perfect pleasure, perfect communion with His Father. And yet when He comes to the cross, He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We often emphasize the physical pain that Jesus experienced on the cross. We often emphasize the beating. We often emphasize the crown of thorns put upon his head. We often emphasize the nails in his hands and in his feet. We often emphasize all those physical things. But the greatest pain that Jesus experienced was the abandonment of his father. That moment when the Bible tells us he became sin so that we could be forgiven. Jesus became sin and God who dwells in inapproachable light, God who is perfect who cannot stand to look at sin, had to turn his back because the Son of God, who had become flesh, became sin. All of our sin, all of the sin of everyone who would ever be saved, was put on Jesus. The sin that I committed yesterday, throughout the last month, throughout my lifetime, and all of yours, and every believer that has been saved was on Jesus at that moment. The light of the world became darkness. The second person of the Trinity who had been with the Father from the beginning was abandoned. His Father turned His face away and Jesus experienced abandonment. He was abandoned. He took on our sin so that we could be accepted so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made light. All the darkness of the universe was poured out on Jesus. And we are now children of light because of what He has done. This was what I preached on Tuesday night. But this is Easter. There is more to the story. Jesus, though He hung on the cross, though He was nailed there, though He breathed His last, He gave up His Spirit, and He died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He wasn't going to need it long. And three days later, He rose again in Acts Chapter 2, as Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, he speaks of this. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. 
For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. David prophesying in Psalm 16, you would not let your Holy One see corruption. Though Jesus was abandoned on Friday, He wasn't utterly abandoned to stay there. His Holy One was not to see corruption. The Father raised the Son on the second day. We are here to celebrate Easter. We are here to celebrate the resurrection because Jesus, though He died, though He was abandoned for us so that we could be accepted, He rose again that we could have life with Him. Death could not keep Him down. And as Johnny Cash sings, ain't no grave going to hold this body down. (laughs) Because heroes, we also have the promise that we will raise too. And because he was abandoned, we don't have to be abandoned. Instead, of God looking at us and seeing our sin, He looks at us and sees the righteousness of Jesus that was given to us because Jesus took on our sin. That was the great exchange. He gets our sin and we get His righteousness. He died our death and lives again so that we can live with Him for eternity. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.